But that was a very special chapter last week where Jesus and his father are carrying on conversation about the two of them and doing it in front of us so we might can learn something from what they know. In the 16th chapter of, of John was brought up, but it's not quite the same chapter as 17. Mainly, in the 16th, the 14th, 15th, and 16th chapter, they're talking to us. Jesus is talking to us. And his main topic of conversation in that is that we love each other and that we understand about the Holy Spirit of God that walks and travels and lives inside of each one of us who has professed Jesus as Savior. Now I'd like to ask you a question. Maybe it didn't happen to you this way, but it did me. When you were approached the first time, or not the first time, but up toward the time when you would accept Jesus as your Savior. Did anybody say anything to you about the Holy Ghost? Did anybody introduce you to the Holy Spirit, which is the same thing? Or the Comforter, Jesus called him. Nobody did me. It took me for years to really try to figure out just where the Holy Spirit belonged in all of this. And to date, I've never had a sermon preached to me about the Holy Spirit. I've preached a few of them because I don't think we can get along with God or Jesus either without the Holy Spirit. It's imperative. We've got to understand about that. Or we're not going to live the life Jesus called for us to live. We need information. We need information from God that tells us how to live, not tomorrow, not next week when we have that big problem, but I'm talking about right now. We need communication from heaven for most of everything we do until we get a few of them to go to learning them and memorizing what they are and doing them automatically. Nobody told me about the Holy Spirit. But I tell you today, you're not going to succeed with God without it. You're not going to succeed with God without communication on a daily basis from the Holy Spirit. So out of the 14th, 15th, and 16th chapters of John, I pull those pieces where Jesus is instructing us about the Holy Spirit. But as far as 700 years before Jesus was born, Jeremiah said in chapter 31 and verse 33, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, He's talking about his chosen people now. He'll make this covenant with Israel, with the Jews. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts or in their minds. 
I'm going to put my rules, my laws in their minds and I will put my law and write it in their hearts, he says. So the mind and the heart is getting a double dose of God's rules. And will be their God and they shall be my people. Well, think for a minute now. Of the Israelites, of the Jews, predicted 700 years before Jesus came. How many of them wound up with the Holy Spirit? That's what he's talking about here. He'll put his laws in their heart and in their minds. That is the thing that keeps them straight, right? Before the Holy Spirit came, we had the law and we could remember it and to make decisions on what we needed to do. But that wasn't anything at all like the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 14, if you've turned there, Jesus starts predicting this thing called the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, or the Comforter. It's called in several, several different, different names. But in the 14th chapter of John, in verse 10, Jesus says to us, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. They're not coming out of my brain. They're not coming out of my mind. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the work. He not only tells me what's going on, he does the work. Every miracle that Jesus performed, God was the one whose hand was actually doing the miracle. Verse 11, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. He says, you see the things I'm doing, I'm healing people. I'm taking demons out of people. I'm taking Satan out of people. I'm taking the control of Satan out of people. So if you can't believe me because of who I am, just look at what I'm doing and believe what I'm doing. It's good. I'm doing something good. And take it for granted that I am who I say I am, if I can do all this. In verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also. Now he's given us a little, little heads up here. The things that he did walking those streets of Galilee for three years, we're going to do too. In fact, in the minute, you're doing some of it now.
the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. Jesus says, I've been down here three years, been ministering to you, now it's my time. It's like I said in the 17th chapter, yeah, it's time, Jesus said. It's time for me to go back to my Father, to be back in heaven, to get the glory that I had before I came down here as that baby in the cradle. But people don't understand. How can I do greater things than Jesus did? That's what he's saying right here. You'll do greater things than I'll do. You ever read that before? Did you know that was expected of you of God? To do greater things here on this earth than Jesus did when he was here? See, I didn't get that in my Sunday school. Nobody told me that. Nobody, I didn't know that you could even use Jesus as an example and it's all over scriptures that he did these things so that we could use them for an example. You can move a mountain by speaking to it. The thing I had to learn, you got to wait on God to want to. <laughs> you can't just do it every time you want to. But what I'm trying to say, God plainly, Jesus plainly says here in the red print, that you can do things that he couldn't do when he was here. Now, how's that possible? Well, there's only one way I can come up with that to make this true. Jesus says, I'm fixing to go. But he says in a bit, I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit. And you're going to do greater things than Jesus did when he had the Holy Spirit. How's that possible? The only thing I can see is this. Jesus was one man, one flesh, and could only be in one place at one time. Now, he could disappear from this place and show up over here, but he couldn't be in two places at one time. But the Holy Spirit can. <laughs> you equipped with the Holy Spirit can be in a million places. Your Holy Spirit can be in a million places working a million things and Jesus couldn't be in but one place and doing one thing at a time. That I see is the difference. The Holy Spirit working from you can be doing a thousand things at a time and he couldn't do but one for Jesus. So that's the only way I see that. The reason you can do more than better things than Jesus could is because the Holy Spirit is a spirit and can be everywhere at the same time. And Jesus couldn't be but one place. That's the only way I can see for that to work. But I know that it can because it has with me. I can say something and it can involve three people and all three of them at the same time can go out and be involved in doing something for Christ and doing it at the same time. And greater works than he can he do because I'm going to my Father. 
I'm going to be in heaven. He keeps talking about this. You're going to see me for a little bit, and then for a little bit you're not going to see me, and then you're going to see me again, and then you're not going to see me. But with the Holy Spirit, you and I will be like we're sitting together talking all the time. Verse 13, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. You ask Jesus to do something in a way of good works for you, and when you do that good work, people see that good work, and they give the glory back to God. I guess... I don't know, it sounds reasonable. They'd say, well, old Joe, he ain't, you know, he ain't that kind of fellow to do that kind of stuff. It must be God doing that stuff through him. And God winds up with the glory, even for what we do. And that's the way it's supposed to be. If I understand correctly, that's the only way God can get glory is through the things that you and I do. And if we're not doing much in the way of good works, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews talks about. Then we've got dead works, and dead works were something we did that we said we did for God. God didn't ask us to do it. He didn't help us do it. We just went out and chose and did it on our own. And those works, according to Hebrews, did not receive the rewards that the things that we do for God does. If ye shall ask anything in my name, Jesus says, I'll do it. Verse 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's the way you show your love for Jesus. Don't talk about it. Do what God commanded you to do through Jesus. Verse 16. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. Jesus, I think, here is calling himself a comforter. And the, the disciples were kind of scared because he's talking about this stuff. I'm fixing to go and you're not going to see me. That worried them. But he'll send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now there's one neat thing. When, they, when the Holy Spirit is given to you and it lives in your body, it stays with you forever. It'll be with you in heaven with Jesus and God through eternity. He'll never leave you. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him but ye know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Now that is a neat statement right there. You remember the scripture where it says that the unsaved can't understand the Bible? Why? Because it's foolishness. They can't understand it. Well, see, the Holy Spirit to the unsaved is foolishness also. He can't understand that. He can't see the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit. It is a spirit. It is a being without flesh. 
unless it chooses to make itself flesh, and then it can do that, but then it goes back to being a spirit where you can't see it. We see accounts in the Old Testament with Abraham and several others where the spirits of heaven changed themselves to look like people here on this earth, and they walked around like the rest of them. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Jesus is talking about something that's going to be shortly in his future. He's facing the cross here, and the church started having members of the church, the, 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 the people who are saved because of the salvation of Jesus Christ just 50 days later at Pentecost. 3,000 souls were saved and received the Spirit of God. So it's not happening here, but it's happening there. He's talking about something that's going to happen probably here just about 50 days or so into the future. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. I will not leave you comfortless. I'll come to you, Jesus said. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. He's going to the cross. He's going to be killed. And then he's going to come back sporadically for 40 days and walk with us, his disciples and us, other people, on the earth. And then when he leaves that point, he won't be coming back. We won't see him anymore until he comes back except for the presence of the Holy Spirit that is in us. Yet a little while, verse 19, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live, ye shall live also. He has taken eternal life because that's what we're going to receive. He's doing the example that we're going to be like. We're going to have eternal life just like Jesus has eternal life. And we'll live with him through eternity with the Holy Spirit inside of us. Now please understand something. All of this is not turned to this chapter and this verse and it tells you everything. That's not the way God operated. I don't know why. He got a little over here and a little over here and some over here and you put it all together and you get an idea. But let me say this. Jesus went to the cross he was killed on the cross. In three days he was resurrected. He went back to heaven to be glorified and given that glorified body by God, which is a body that can operate in heaven and on earth. It can breathe in both places, in other words. 
And then he came back. He met people down here for 40 days. He went back to sit in the thr- on the throne at the right hand of God in the throne room of heaven to make intercession for you and I every single day. He is watching what's happening to you and me. And when we pray, we pray to the Holy Spirit. He talks about praying to God, the throne room, to Jesus, all that. We pray to the Holy Spirit. When a prayer leaves my mouth here on this earth, the one that takes it is the Holy Spirit, and he carries it to Jesus who is sitting on the throne. And we say, Jesus, what am I supposed to be doing about this situation here? What decision should I make in my personal life regarding this spiritual decision? The Holy Spirit takes it to Jesus. Jesus turns around and says, Lord, Father, God, you know it all. you got the whole plan. And even if you remember when Jesus was here, he didn't have the whole plan. He was asked several things. What's happening here? And he didn't know. He said only the Father knows. So either he does or doesn't turn and ask his Father, what should this person do? And when the Father tells him, our Bible says he speaks in a tongue that we cannot understand. And then Jesus speaks to the Holy Spirit that is living in me. And then the Holy Spirit, in a way that I can understand, tells me what is the answer God has for what I do. And I'm expected then to choose with God. There it is. That is the way it works. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, and for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Do you recognize the Holy Spirit that lives in you? Can you tell when he's telling you and guiding you and directing you into doing something this way and not that way? Do you know him that well? Do you call on him on a regular basis to keep you out of a jam? Because it says in Scripture that the wisdom is not in the heart of man that walketh to direct his own steps. We do not have the spiritual common sense to decide what our spiritual situation should be should be how they should be handled we have to ask the holy spirit or we don't get god's advice i'm quite sure he gives us advice a lot of times when we don't ask for it because i know my kids don't ask me half the time and a lot of times they still get it verse 18 jesus says i will not leave you comfortless I will come to you as the Holy Spirit. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye shall see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and in and me in you. That is as direct a statement as there ever was. 
at that day when you recognize that the Holy Spirit is living within you and who he is, ye shall know that I am in my Father. Jesus is real. He's, 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 he's telling us about his Father truthfully. And ye in me, we've got Jesus because we're saved. And I in you. That's what Jesus prayed for last week in the 17th chapter of John. He prayed that the Father, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and you would all be one person. Would all think alike, would make the right decisions, because all of you would be working together Turn down, if you will, please. You may not have to turn to verse 26 and verse 27. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now this is, he's beginning to outline the responsibilities of this Holy Spirit that's living in us. Number one, he says, he will bring to our remembrance, I believe, when we need it, because you crowd my mind up, I can't remember two of them at the same time. So you tell me, Holy Spirit, what I need when I need it, and I will use that to make my decisions. will bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. When you need a scripture in this book and you remember something about it, but you can't call it word for word, God will remind you of what Jesus said in this book through the Holy Spirit. That's the way he's working. He will remind you of what Jesus said. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Before you get into that, wait a minute now. You remember Jesus said back in so-and-so, that's the way, this is the way you're supposed to handle something like that. That's all we're supposed to need is the word from the Holy Spirit about what we're supposed to do. That's the reason I've said all along that if you're going to be successful for God, you've got to know his will. People walk around wondering what God's will is. Well, why don't you ask him? It says right here, he will bring to your remembrance what Jesus said about it. Now, maybe you don't, but I do. I believe Jesus wrote this whole book. That's what it says. So everything in this book, number one, we've already heard is truth, and number two is what Jesus said. So then, if you need it, and you've ever read it, Jesus, the Holy Spirit will bring it back to you what Jesus said when you need it. Now let's look at verse 15. Oh, I'm sorry. 
26 and 27. Yeah, I did. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus says, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, Jesus says. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth peace, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If you've got the communication with the Holy Ghost that I'm talking about, you're not supposed to be afraid. I did a study one time. It took me about the best thing of a year. Anxiety and fear in me and you are not compatible. You either are afraid or you're not. You've either got courage and faith in Christ or you don't. There's no such thing. It, well, I got a little faith, but sometimes I'm scared too. Well, not at the same time. That's what it just said. So you've got a choice. You've got a choice to fear, or a choice to be obedient to God. There's your two choices. And with Him, you don't have to fear with Him because He gives you perfect peace. That's, that's a real contrast. If you see that for what he's saying, that's what's real. That's what we need to know. Look at chapter 15 and verse 7. Jesus says, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. If you remember his word, if you abide, if you attempt to live as close as you can to Jesus, and if his words that you've learned abide in you, you depend on them, he says you can ask whatever you want to and you'll get it. I'm quite sure he's behind the want to. But that's not said. It's left for you to discern. Do you think God is going to help you disobey Jesus? <laughs> No way. No way. When you're abiding with God, with Jesus, and His words abide with you, He is tearing down everything that would keep you from disobeying Him. You've got to. so shall ye be my disciples, people who obey me. Now look at verse 14. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you, Jesus says, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. 
but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Jesus says, I'm now your friend. You don't work for me. You're not my servant. You're my friend. I'm your oldest church brother. We talk about brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus is oldest. And we're all in there together. But I don't call you a servant anymore. I am not your master. I'm your friend. I've told you everything. All my business. I've told you everything. You've got to understand that. I haven't kept anything from you. So that doesn't make you my master. Ye have not chosen me, he says, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain and whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it unto you. That is the kind of relationship God wants us to have with all the heavenly beings, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit too. And what does he say keeps us from having that relationship? It's our sin. He says the only thing that turns God's head away from us is our sin. Verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will not tell you anything that goes against me. And he's reminding you of everything I ever said. And ye also shall bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. Jesus says all this is proof of who I say I am. And when I leave, it's going to scare you a little bit because it's going to scatter you. You're going to be scared. You're going to scatter. You're going to go to your own place. But I won't be alone, even though y'all leave me, because God's going to be there with me. Look at chapter 16 and verse 7 and 8. Nevertheless, verse 7, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. So I've got to go for him to come. And you're going to be doing better stuff with him than you were doing with me. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The Holy Spirit stands in our world in every one of you and me and, and me also to tell the world what you're doing is sin. That is the guilt that comes from knowing you've done the wrong thing. You've disobeyed God and you know it. And he is right there pointing the finger at you, the Holy Spirit is, saying, I'm going to give you guilt because you're doing things you're not supposed to do.
Verse 13. How be it, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you unto all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Hear Jesus. Whatsoever he shall hear Jesus, that's what he's going to tell you and me. And he will show you things to come. Oh, where else did you hear that? Nowhere else. Jesus is the only one in the building that can help you make a decision for what's going to happen to you three days from now because he's the only one that knows what's going to happen to you three days from now. And you can't get it anywhere else. Now you can get it from a soothsayer and they are empowered by Satan. But therefore you're bad and you don't want any part of it. God killed Saul because he went and asked the advice of a soothsayer, a fortune teller. God got no use for them. Jesus is the only one that can do that. Through the Holy Spirit. And he will. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. So there's no way we can go wrong with the Holy Spirit. But nobody explained all this to me when I accepted Christ. Nobody explained that this was going to happen to me. Nobody told me I was going to have somebody walking alongside me that's available for me to use anytime I want and would always give me truth from Jesus. Nobody told me that. And I wasted a good bit of time flouncing around like a dead fish until I figured it out. A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. I'm going back now. I'm not going to be here with you. In verse 32. Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered. I'm fixing to go to the cross. You're going to be scared and you're going to go back to your place, he says. Every man to his own place and shall leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone because the Father's with me. He went through the crucifixion, but God was there with him holding his hand all the way except for one point, and that was the point he was so afraid of. He had never before in his life, Jesus had never before in his life ever had his Father leave him. But he did on the cross. And that, I think, is what scared Jesus. That's the only thing he had never experienced. He wasn't scared of dying. He wasn't afraid of the resurrection process. He wasn't afraid of going back to heaven. He was only afraid of being on that cross and God the Father wasn't there with him overseeing every single thing he was doing and speaking through his mouth. What did Jesus have to worry about? He couldn't say the wrong thing. He was only saying what God said. And shall leave me alone, and yet I'm not alone because the Father's with me. These things I have spoken unto you that in me, this is a wind-up of that chapter, those three chapters, 
I've told you about all of this that's going to happen to you. That in me, you might have peace. Can you get enough information out of the knowledge of the Holy Spirit to live your life tomorrow, the next day, the next day in peace because you know that somebody's there to answer anything you want to ask. And it will be right and good. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I don't know why people don't preach sermons on the Holy Spirit anymore. You ever heard one? One or two maybe. I bet it's a long time ago when you did. (laughs) But I'm saying this, it's not preached anymore. The head of the Salvation Army in 1899 was asked What do you think the church has to look forward to in the new year coming 1900? He said they're going to have to learn to live without the Spirit because it's not going to be taught. And it hasn't been. And I say to you that we need to have as good a knowledge about the Spirit as we do about salvation. Because it's the next thing. It's right there. It's immediate. As soon as you say, Lord, I believe, you got the Holy Spirit right there. Being involved with every single thing you do. And he'll be there from now on. And I tell you, if you hadn't tried it, you just ask him. Just start asking. Ask him everything. Ask him little bitty things. It don't matter. Mr. Buddy knows talking about losing a nut in the grass and you can't find it. Ask the Holy Spirit. He'll show you where it is. I've found a hundred of them over my life. You can ask him even stuff like that and he'll show it to you. That's how much he cares about your welfare and my welfare. And we need to understand that. And just start asking. If you just start asking, it will surprise you how many answers you'll get back. And after a bit, you'll learn to recognize that voice. And you'll know exactly where it's coming from. Let's pray. Father, teach us. And in that teaching, Father, give us confidence. Give us this peace that you're talking about here so that we may understand that when we do this particular thing like you've said to do this particular thing, then good things will happen to us. And we won't wonder and we won't fear and we won't have anxiety about what we need to do because we'll know from the very center of heaven and to our Father God the advice has come down. This is what they ought to do. You don't get it any better than that, people. And that's who you are. And that's who I am. And we ought to be able to do more than we're doing to glorify God through our good works. Teach us, Lord. Teach us. 
Make us have faith enough to experiment in the very truths you are telling us and proving to us that are so. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.